This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'll Have Another podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here today. I am so excited. Courtney DeWalter is on the podcast today. This is her third or maybe fourth, I think third time on the show. And she's amazing. I was like, should I bug her? I bet she's got a lot of media because um, after her because she just crushed Western States and crushed the course record by 80 minutes. Uh, but Courtney is the real deal and she is so down to earth and chill. And she was like, yeah, sure. I'll come on your podcast. Um, Courtney is, she's not going to like that. I say this, but she's the goat of ultra running. I mean, she really is. This is her second win at Western States. She's the ultra trail Dumont Blanc champion from 2019. She, I think kind of made a name for herself in 2017 when she won the Moab 240. Uh, outright, which is a race that is 240 miles, two days, nine hours and 59 minutes. She did that. She's also won Biggs Backyard Ultra, and she's just breaking course records left and right. She is actually, this is one of the coolest things um, right now in her life. So off of her Western States win and course record breaking, which that was Ellie Greenwood's record from 2012. And if you know Courtney, she will always give a nod to the people who came before her who broke records and she wants to continue seeing records broken um she's about to also do though the hard rock 100 there's a three-week break in between western states and hard rock and so we talk about what that's going to look like for her what it has been looking like for her in the middle of these two races I think if you're going to take one thing from Courtney, it is just to have fun with what you're doing. She loves running and she has so much fun with it. And if you can keep that front and center with what you're passionate about, you're probably going to do it for a long time. She is sponsored by Solomon and I could ramble off 9 million other things, but she's just awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Prevenex. I've been working with them for years. If you are looking for a great multivitamin with high quality ingredients, go check out Prevenex. They source the best quality ingredients. They do not slack on anything. This is a smaller business, so you're not going to Target and buying some big box vitamin that probably is super diluted. They care about what they put into their products. And if you're going to take something every day, like a multivitamin, it ought to be good quality, right? They also have a great joint supplement if you are looking to feel better in your joints. These are clinically proven. I've had so many people reach out to me and say, I cannot believe how amazing this joint supplement is and how much better I feel. I take it every day. And then of course their protein powder is amazing. Uh, My kids use it, I use it. It is a staple in our house. Go to Prevenex.com, use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your order. All right, friends, if you love this conversation with Courtney, make sure you share it on your social media and let her know. Um, Give her some love. Let her know how much you enjoyed the conversation and cheer her on for Hard Rock. All right. Enjoy my conversation with Courtney Dewalter. All right. Well, I can't believe it, but Courtney DeWalter is back on the show. Welcome back, Courtney. Oh, my gosh. So good to see you. So good to be back. Thank you. You were like, why are you the nicest person ever? Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I was like, let me just like, I was like, mm, she's probably so busy. Let me just shoot her an email. Maybe she'll come on. She probably has a million requests. And you're like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love chatting with you. It's an honor. Thank you. So what's going on? Like, what? how are you feeling? You just won Western States and you broke the course record by like a million hours. How do you feel? <laughs> Oh, man, it's weird. Time is weird. It feels at this point like that was years ago at this point, but also my body is telling me that it wasn't that long ago. Um, I'm feeling good, though. It was a really fun 100 miles, and um, I wanted to try to leave everything out there, and I feel like I did that on that day, which feels pretty satisfying. 
And now I'm already like eyes forward because I have another 100 mile race in um, about a week and a half at this point. <laughs> I can't even. Hard Rock 100. I can't even. Um, okay, so we'll do a couple things. We'll dive deeply into Western states. But first, let's do like a little bit of a catch up. I know listeners who follow the sport, they know what you've been up to, but you haven't been on the show for quite a while. What has changed in your life? So before we hit record, we were saying the last time you were on the show, I had you, Sally McRae and Maggie Gutrell on and we talked, we did like a fun Friday episode where we just talked about like random stuff. So what's been going on just in life in general? I love talking about random stuff, so happy to do one of those anytime. <laughs> that one was so fun. Although I was a heavy edit because like I was a little bit awkward, I feel like. And like it's hard to manage like four different people who jumps in when. But that was such a fun episode. Yeah, well, and with that crew, it's impossible to manage. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. So in the past couple of years, my husband and I moved to... Um, a small mountain town in Colorado called Leadville. And we have been living here, loving the giant outdoor playground that we have and the really small town life. Yeah. Okay. So I just interviewed Annie Hughes. And so do you run with her? That's so great. Yeah. It's a, such a small town. So we see each other often. Um, but we're both... I think kind of non-planners for our runs. And so we don't regularly meet up for anything. Okay. That's one of my favorite things about you. <laughs> you still don't have a coach. Still no coach, still no plan. Uh, still just <laughs> waking up every day, assessing the systems and going from there. Okay. So how have you figured this out? I mean, that's a deep, that's like a, so many layers to that question but on your own, because I, and I'm the same way. I don't know how people, you know, everyday runners have coaches and it's like they, that coaching plan is their Bible and they figure it out and they do exactly what their coach tells them. But that would stress me out to no end because I do not know what I'm going to feel like on any given day when I yeah, wake up. Yeah. So, but, but you figured that clearly you have figured this out and you've been figuring it out. How do you continue to evolve? Yeah, I guess I would use the phrase I've I'm still figuring it out, but um, I guess there's probably a couple different reasons why it's working for me. One is that I grew up with really great coaches, so it was modeled to me early on what training looks like. So it wasn't like I was going in, you know, with no experience running, no experience with a coach, like high school and college, I had great coaches. And so I think they just instilled in me like the basic foundation is there where I understand how it works in theory. Um, I think the second is that I've been learning over the years to trust myself and to really listen to the signals my body is giving me and act on them. Mm. Um, I, that's hard to do, to actually believe the signals. And then um, when they say pump the brakes, to pump the brakes, even if like in your head you were thinking you were going to do this big mileage week or something like that. Um, so that's been a learning process of just growing the trust with myself. And then the third is that I think it's so fun. Like mm. it's a giant puzzle to me. I love playing with the pieces. I for sure mess it up all the time, but I don't care. Like mm. that's part of it to me. Um, and I'm, I'm willing to like try things and shift those around, even if that means maybe, you know, I, I make some missteps along the way and have to reassemble the puzzle pieces again later down the road. I think one of the big questions everybody wants to know though, is like, how do you have so much fun when so much of it is so hard? I think having fun and doing hard things can happen at the same time. For sure, uh, you can work really, really hard at something and still find the joy in it and smile and tell a joke. Mm. Um, but I guess um, it's most important to me that running stays fun. And 
um, stays as this activity that I can take throughout my entire life until I'm over a hundred years old. You know, I want to be cruising around the trails and the streets in my running shoes. And so, um, having that as the highest priority on my list makes, you know, all of it then fall in. Like the puzzle pieces become this fun game or listening to the signals, you know, or like, it's fun to figure out how to trust your body and your brain and all of those pieces. Yeah. And that's so interesting because professionals burn out, but also everyday runners burn out. And a lot of times it's probably because they lost that, which is, was, why are we doing this in the first place? And if it's not fun, why are we doing it? But you run so much at such a high level. Like, do you ever get burnout? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think I ever experienced full burnout that I've heard of people describe. Um, but there's days where like if I'm dragging my feet to get out the door and like procrastinating in every single way possible, I'll really focus on that and be like, why is it so hard to get out running today? Do I need to just switch it up? Like sit on the couch or ride a bike or go out for a walk and see if the walk turns into a jog? Like why am I dragging my feet today? Um, and that's part of like the signal reading for me because most days I feel, you know, pretty amped to get outside and just get in the sunshine and get my body moving. And, um, if that feeling isn't there, then I do listen to that. Yeah. I like picture you waking up in the morning with your coffee and just being like, I can't wait. I cannot wait to get into those mountains and just like... (laughs) Like that's all you think about and love so much and do. And I don't like, I'm like, I can't imagine her being like dreading a run. <laughs> I It's pretty lucky here too in Colorado because it's so beautiful mm. and um, there's so many trail options. So it's not the same route every day. It's, um, you know, any type of terrain or run that is inspiring feeling I can find and And, you know, my schedule is pretty flexible and I know that that's, um, I don't take that for granted either. So uh, I feel very fortunate. Yeah. So you mentioned you have Hard Rock coming up. I'm so curious, like, what are you doing in between these two races? It's only three weeks apart from Western States 100, Hard Rock 100. And I'm saying the number in case people who are listening are not ultra people. Uh, you're, it is so close and I have no idea what I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> Are you like, I mean, because people, you know, I, I re- read some interviews and, and things about post-Western states and like you said you were pretty wrecked. Yeah, I was destroyed when I finished destroyed. that race. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in this last week, so the first week after the race, it was pretty much um, sitting, eating, napping, <laughs> and walking. And then I did manage towards the end of that week to just hop on a bike and like spin it around a little bit to try and get the legs moving, but mostly just to get outside and get some air. Um, and now we are in week two out of the three and I have, um, still been sitting, eating and napping, but also, (laughs) (laughs) but also, um, trying out a little jogging and still some biking. So hoping that, um, in this second week of recovery, I can, you know, shake out any of the kinks or anything that's still a little bit mad about the first hundred miles (laughs) and um, go into next week, that last week before the race, feeling like as close to a normal taper week as possible. But it's weird. Like three weeks goes super fast. There's not enough time to actually train. So it's really just focusing on recovery and feeling as fresh mentally and physically as possible. Yeah. You're essentially just recovering and then you're going to go at it all in again. Yeah. So then I'm like, oh my gosh, did I do enough training before Western Western States States training? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, For those who might know and myself, because I don't, tell me how different the two courses are. 
They're really different courses. Western States is in California. It goes from Olympic Valley, which is up near Lake Tahoe, to Auburn, California. Um, and it's a predominantly like runnable, trending downhill route. Okay. It's usually quite hot and, um, leg speed is pretty key in -hmm. that race. Um, Hard Rock is in Colorado. It does a loop in the San Juan Mountains out of Silverton and, um, is a predominantly like high altitude climbing and descending steep terrain type race. So it'll be more like hiking with poles on all the uphills and kind of like picking your way down rocky, steep downhills. Um, so more about the like, mountain legs and altitude uh the i guess those would be the biggest factors for that one okay so then but you're you're using your western states training for the hard rock um run so then how do you like come up with how you train for that like which race was more important to you and i feel weird asking that knowing like of course you want to go in and win hard rock as well and you haven't done that one yet i the training was kind of um, strangely freeing feeling in May and June because every type of training felt like it was going to pay off this summer. Okay. So instead of feeling really like I had to laser in on speed or heat or altitude or climbing, like suddenly it was any type of run was going to be a good uh-huh. run. Um, so I didn't schedule out my days as like a hard rock day, a Western States day. I didn't do that. I just decided to, um, stick with kind of how I like training, which is wake up and see what sounds good. I love that that so much. That naturally leads to like some days it sounded good to go hike a mountain and some days it sounded good to try to find some speed. And so it kind of naturally worked out just based on like the things I already enjoy doing. But we'll see, like Hard Rock is still to come. Right. And it, perhaps like I've totally botched that training. So we'll find out. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like perfect, honestly. It's like I just do what I feel like doing. I've heard you say that before too, though, with the speed stuff. Like, okay, I head out for my run. And if I'm at like eight miles or what, whatever you're at, and you're in a place where you can run fast and you want to, you just do. But do you, because you do run so fast in some of these races, like we'll talk about the end of um, Western States because it sounds like you were running pretty freaking fast. Um, like, you know, you have to do that on a pretty consistent basis. So like, do you ever go like 10 days and you're like, I just haven't felt the itch to run fast, so I'm not going to. I used to. A few years ago, um, I was a little less incorporating speed work into my weeks was less of a a priority before because I was always just waiting to see like when (laughs) I had the itch to do it. And if I got to a spot where I liked to do them and felt good, I would go. But um, I would say in the past like year and a half or so, um, I've just tried to be more cognizant of if I've gotten in some intervals or Mm -hmm. tempo or any of that sort of speed work lately. And if I haven't to be thoughtful about like, maybe I should intentionally head Mm -hmm. towards that one route where (laughs) I know that I do them and, and knock some out and just see, even if it doesn't feel like the best when I start them. Um, Because I think speed, my, I'm, I don't feel like I have that much speed in my legs and I would like to try and grow that skill. And that feels like uh, something that can happen if you just stay consistent with it. It's such an interesting thing because to be so good at something, there has to be something like, I don't know, planned or like there's this this certain personality trait of really high achieving people. But then you've got this like super laissez-faire, like whatever happens, happens. You have both, right? Like whatever happens on this run today, I'm just going to do it. But also clearly are super high achieving. And I, I don't know that there's many people that marry those two personality traits very often. <laughs> uh, 
Well, thank you. <laughs> it's kind of the best of both worlds, though, really. I think for me, it's um, like I understand the getting attached to a schedule and seeing that progress. Like I, I understand why that works for a lot of people. Um, I think I would get too attached. Mm. And so I do need to stay on the total other end of it where I'm attached to nothing because I'm, I think that I, if I had a schedule, would stick to it and try to be the best schedule mm. follower, mm-hmm. you know, in the world and like wouldn't listen to my body at all. And it would be holding the line at, you know, this prescribed workout and whatever. So I think it, it, uh, for me means I, I stay on this other end where there's nothing to hold on to because then, It's all good. Nothing's a problem. Okay. New sponsor that I am super excited about, Cozy Earth. Have you all tried Cozy Earth? They craft luxury goods that transform your lifestyle. They've been featured on Oprah's Favorite Things for five years in a row. Oprah. She is my interview idol. I will tell you that. I always listen to Oprah. Um before any live shows. That's just like what I do. Anyway, so if Oprah recommends it, it's got to be good, right? Um, All their products are made responsibly sourced from bamboo. They come with a 10-year warranty. 10 years. Wow, that's amazing. And Cozy Earth Bedding, here's my favorite part, is temperature regulating and is available in viscose from bamboo and in linen. Their loungewear, which is the softest, most comfortable, offers optimal comfort while maintaining a flattering, elegant fit. Okay, you're not going to find a more comfortable way to lounge in your house and get into your sheets. Pair this with that Lagoon pillow I'm always talking about, and you're going to have the best sleep of your life. And here's the thing. Cozy Earth has provided an exclusive offer for my listeners today, up to 35% off site-wide when you use the code another 35 so go to cozyearth.com use the code another 35 that will get you 35 percent off your order all right friends back to the show do you run like 120 miles a week uh yeah sometimes around then so when you go out for I know this is kind of maybe this is boring for people but when you go out for like a run are you like I'm gonna run 15 maybe 20 I don't know we'll just see what happens yeah so sometimes or it's so time probably in the woods sometimes I will think that I feel like doing a long run and then I'll load up a pack and I'll have water and snacks and um you know maybe give my husband a heads up like I'll probably be gone for you know, this many hours. Um, and then sometimes that happens when I'm out with my pack or not, just depending. But there are times where I'll head out for a run and I'm like, you know, be back in 90 minutes, two hours or whatever. And then I get carried away or, you know, I take a trail that I was feeling uh, psyched about when I passed it and end up, you know, being gone much longer. So, I actually feel bad for my husband because (laughs) I'm like, we need to really set up our systems so you know like when it's a problem. Yeah. (laughs) Because currently he has no idea if it's a problem ever because Uh I just don't return sometimes. (laughs) He's like, what kind of mood was she in this morning when she left? Was this a like, I'm just going to keep going for six hours mood? Yeah. And then I'll come in just like so dehydrated because I had no water and <laughs> unexpectedly went on this really long run lying in the entryway like I'm dead he's I, like what are you doing I just did 50 instead of 22 no big deal oops um let's talk about him a little bit I tried to like deep dive him a bit on Instagram and there's nothing it's a, I think it's De, DeWalter crew is his Instagram and he has zero posts in his profiles cr- closed is that correct <laughs> Is that your husband? Yeah, he's called, he, I think it's the Do Crew. The Do Crew. But there's not, it's just, I don't even know. It's yeah, just he's, there. he's made zero posts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, he's amazing. I, I mean, I feel really lucky that uh, he's 
taken on this crew role and, you know, he loves playing with the pieces in that, in that realm of our ultra running world. And, um, he's just dialing in crewing every time we do it. And so that feels really cool to be this team together. Mm. Do you consult with him about things? Like if with your, I'm just going to do this training, like, Are you ever like, okay, this week I've done this amount of things. What do you think I should do? Or is that just totally hands-off for him? It's pretty hands-off for him. Um, I mean, of course, he's my husband. He's, you know, my best friend and uh, also sees all that I'm doing. And so sometimes he's for sure a sounding board of like, uh, why am I feeling so Mm -hmm. tired or Mm -hmm. something? You know, and he's like, well, let's think about what you've been doing and like big picture, maybe it's time for a day on the couch or something like that. Like he helps me zoom out sometimes to see why I might be feeling different ways or before a race, I never feel like ready for the race. And he'll, he'll help me zoom out and just remind me of like what I've been doing to get ready. Um, because I think I often forget it. Mm. Yeah, because, okay, for instance, Western States this year. Let's talk about like your mindset going into the race. What were you thinking? I was thinking that I was so excited to start this summer off because it felt like Western States was the first domino that was going to push over this three-week challenge, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was so excited to get there and get it rolling Um, and I really, really, really wanted to finish the entire course because the last time I was there was 2019 where I dropped out at mile 80. Mm. And so like highest priority of the day was finish and leave all of myself out on that course. I saw you, I saw the video, I don't know if it was a Solomon video or I don't know, it was like a peanut butter brand or something, some some video of you on the boat. Oh, and... it's an anti-chafe brand. It's, okay. called, it's called Squirrel's Nut Butter. That's it. See, I had the butter right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I saw their video and what mile is that, by the way? That's at mile 78. And you're like all smiles, like asking people how they're doing. How are you doing, person driving me on this boat? And I'm like, and I like, I know what you're putting yourself through. I don't know because physically I can't imagine, but we see it. And just like, how were you keeping it together? Because you were like all smiles. Like you were like kissing babies, doing all the things. You know what I mean? Just like mayor of Western States. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um... So that was a boat ride this year at mile 78. It's this river crossing. And some years you actually cross through the river. They put up Mm -hmm. a rope and you get in and you end up being like belly button or chest deep even in this river. So it's a super deep river. Um, But this year, because of all the snowfall out there, the water flow was just way too crazy. And so they had boats where you had to hop in this little boat and get paddled across and jump out the other side. So that was kind of cool. Was it a relief? Were you like, ah, like, and how, how many seconds are you in the boat? Like, is it super short? Super short. Yeah. I I think. Can we get another minute here? Yeah. Well, yeah. An expert navigating and rowing happening. So you're in and out of it real quick. Um, But yeah, I think like I was way far in my pain cave at Mm. that point, but being in my pain cave uh, and being nice and like enjoying the people and the things around me are like, they can happen at the same time. Mm. Um, okay. So you ran the first, what, 30 miles with Katie? Yeah. Katie Scheid, who's amazing. Okay. So you run with Katie for 30 miles. At what point in the race are you thinking... I'm going for this course record. Or did you go into it thinking that I I know your goal is to finish, but like where does course record goal fit into all this? Uh, Time and place are never on my goal list. Um, But for sure, like Kevin, he's the numbers guy. And he had uh, looked at like what splits would be needed for the course record. And I, I, 
like glanced at them before the race and then was like, there's no way I want to try to remember these mm-hmm. or care about them. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea how this snowy first 20 miles is going to run. So there's no need for anyone to get their pants in a bunch about times when we haven't seen like what's up there or if we'll be like slogging through waist deep snow. You know, I had no idea. Um so I knew that my crew would have a beat on it, but um, for sure in a hundred mile race, it doesn't matter until that second half because anything can happen. And even then it's like, just keep doing the sections as well as you can and make sure there's no questions after each section if you could have done it better or not. And then we'll just see how that plays out. But they probably gave me updates at mile 60 and mile 80 about like, here's where you're at with, you know, a gap with Katie and um, here's where you're at with the course record. But honestly, it doesn't factor in like I'm trying my hardest. So if they had said, you know, Katie is 20 seconds behind you, I'd be like, okay, but like this is all I can do, you know, like. That's how I want to race always is um, it, it doesn't matter where I am, who's around me. I want to have the exact same effort being put out. And that's how you break records, I would imagine. I mean, having that, having that mindset, like doesn't matter what else is going on. Like I want to go as deep as I can. How do you know if you've gone too deep? You know, like I'm thinking back to when you ran, what did you had that lung issue when you did the 300 some miles and everybody was like, no, you're going to the hospital. Yeah. yeah. Like, how do you know when it's too far? It's tricky. I, um, it's part of like learning to trust myself. And if the flags going up during an effort are just normal things you would feel when you're Mm -hmm. pushing that hard for a hundred miles or, if it's actually an indicator of like something's wrong, you need to listen to this. Um, but basically in this Western states at mile about 60, 62, you go through this town called Forest Hill, which is like this huge party. There's people lining the entire street. It's pretty exciting. I decided from there to the finish, like I was going to try to put myself into a whole world of hurt in that pain cave and hold it Mm. because I was hoping that I could be in that mental and physical space for 38 miles. Wow. What is it about that point with 38 miles to go that that was the time you wanted to get go to that spot? It uh, starts to become really, really runnable. So you've Mm. gotten through most of the climbing And I think I'm just curious about it because I've been working on uh, increasing my capacity for suffering by visiting this pain cave over and over again. And so I've been trying to inch back that moment in races where I can cut the brake lines and just see. And so it used to be, you know, in the last 10 miles of a race, I would feel like I know I can be in that place for 10 miles Mm. and then it got moved back to 15 and then to 20 and like just seeing if I can keep growing that length of time to be in that huge amount of suffering (laughs) which is super fun I'm not even joking (laughs) I know that it it sounds actually insane and not fun at all It's funny because as you were saying it, I was thinking about <laughs> I was thinking about how bad I was suffering um, walking my bike back from the pool with my six year old who was complaining because it was all it's all up the whole way to the pool is downhill and the whole way back is uphill and I forgot water and he I mean you should have seen how dramatically he just laid on the grass like he had you know just the crazy done just the craziest thing and so I really felt like I was suffering though when I was trying to escort him home so when you're talking about that kind of suffering my life and the life of the listener we probably just can't comprehend how intense it is (laughs) but we all can like uh, the scales are just different yeah 
Like if you're uh, running a 5K, like maybe you feel like in the last what, maybe half mile, you can really dig in and like pour yourself out on that course for that half mile. I like thinking of it like that because if you can dial it back a little bit more every time, so maybe make it your goal like this weekend in your 5K to, okay, that last half mile, I'm going all in as hard as I can in that pain cave. And then the next time, step it back a little bit more, a little bit more so that then finally, which is really what a 5K is, that whole 5K, <laughs> you're redlining. <laughs> like it's so hard. Um what do you learn from suffering? What do you get out of suffering? Why are we doing this? It's curiosity driven for sure of just being so amazed by what our brains and bodies can do and wondering, you know, what, what else is there? If I keep on digging into this pain cave and um, keep on testing myself with these really big challenges, what's what's possible and uh i mean that's the main goal is like see if there's an end to the cave see if there's a point where i just refuse to go back in it again or see if it can keep getting bigger and we can all do way more than we think well because that's the other thing i'm thinking like how deeply would you say at western states this year I mean, you've been in a lot of pain caves, but was, is that the deepest you've ever been? It was, yeah, it was pretty steep. <laughs> <laughs> like, how are you not, we're, we talked about the physical recovery at the beginning, but I'm just thinking about the mental recovery. Like, how are you preparing your mind to be like, oh, I'm going to hurt that bad again at Hard Rock? It's such a good question and has been front of my mind for this entire recovery period. And going into it, I knew like, I think my legs will probably be sore. I think they can, you know, bounce back and do another hundred, but I want to really, really focus on my brain and making sure that that is fully rebooted and recharged and ready to go. So, um, it's been just doing all the things that I know recharge my brain, like relaxing, reading a book, watching mindless shows sitting in silence and eating lots of delicious things. Like all of that I'm hoping is helping it uh, just get ready to go again. But we'll see. It'll be interesting during Hard Rock when it gets to that moment of like, you're at the entrance and you're going in or not. Mm. Like, what are you doing? My hope, of course, is that I'm like, you know, charging full steam ahead into it again. Um, but I don't know what's going to happen. Wow. Yeah. Cause I think that what, and, and to even just relate this to like people running half marathons, marathons is I think that's the scariest part. Is my brain going to let me go there? Am I going to give up mentally before I physically shut it down? And I, I would probably say most people do. Most people give up mentally first if you're yeah. looking at the average runner or even some professional runners. And so do you like, do you work with a sports psych on this? No, I don't. Um, but I just run a lot of ultras. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned earlier about like your coaches in high school laying that foundation. I'm doing a high school coach series um, here soon. And I'm just thinking, whatever they did really worked. And was it physical and mental? Like what were these people saying to you that you're who you are, right? Like you are going to be someone who knows how to work hard, but like who, what did these people say to you when you were a kid to grow you into this woman? Probably less about what they said and more about what they modeled. Mm. Um, like my cross country running coaches were incredible at, modeling like how to work really hard but also that there's always room for fun in it um they we trained together with the boys team for cross country and for track so it was never about like the girls over here the boys over here it was like we're doing miles today here's your group that runs similar mm. to you and that was always mixed you know throughout all the groups we were I love um, that. 
yeah, it was cool. It was like, oh, it's, it's not about like, you know, if I'm a girl or a boy, it's about the mile split and effort that I'm doing. And this is where I'm appropriately slotted for that. And that yeah, was pretty coaches cool. Coaches don't do that. I was just thinking like, I'm like, oh yeah. Cause like the fastest girls on the team are going to smoke a lot of the boys on the team. So why aren't they all just running together? Because also if you are the fastest girl on the team, don't you want to be with some people that are faster and those boys can elevate you? Yeah. I wonder yeah. if any other programs do that. That's interesting. I would guess so, but I have no idea. Um, and then my cross-country ski coach was all about teaching us about basically the pain cave. He He never called it the pain cave, but he just kept trying to instill in us that there was that other gear. He's like, there's always one more gear that you can click over to when it feels impossible. And that's hard to teach, like to tell a kid that when it hurts so bad, they can make it hurt even more Mm -hmm. is a really impossible thing to try to message and have someone believe you and try it. But for some reason, his coaching and our team and the way he would like, you know, get us ready for a race and then, you know, teach us that there was that next gear we could turn to was huge, I think. All right, friends, I want to let you know if you are training for a half marathon or a marathon, I have training plans on my website at lindsayhine.com. The half marathon plans are 14 weeks. There's a beginner beginner. So it's a beginner as you can get. There's a beginner intermediate. There's an intermediate and there's advanced. So there's four options. And then we have marathon training plans that are 18 weeks that give you a nice base build. And I have three options there, a beginner, intermediate, and advanced. When you go to the website and click on each training plan, it'll tell you what the mileage starts at, what the long run starts starts at, what the entirety of the week total mileage is at, and how it builds you. I'm super conservative with how I build miles. And I've had a lot of people who have had tons of success with this plan. Actually, my friend Bridget here on Instagram just messaged me yesterday and says, oh my gosh, I purchased the half marathon advanced training plan for my June half marathon, but ran another one yesterday and snagged a massive PR. I'm a big believer down from 146 to 139 half marathon. All right. You heard it from Bridget. Go to lindsayhine.com to learn more and grab yourself an awesome training plan. All right. Back to the show. Okay. So you already said that I never go into a race thinking about place or time. I just think like I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can. So going into a run like Hard Rock where it is kind of a, well, we're not really sure what's going to happen because of Western States that was so recently. Like, how does that make you feel at the starting line? Because I'm sure there are, even though the running community specifically trail is like super, like everybody loves each other, good relationships. Like there might be people thinking, okay, well, I might be able to get Courtney because she just did this. Like, how does that affect you, if at all? I don't think it affects me. My hope is to stand on that hard rock start line and pretend like I didn't do Western States Mm -hmm. and have it be, you know, my only thing of the summer. Like this is the race I've been working for. Mm -hmm. And now we get the chance to try and leave it all out there. So I think that's going to be important because for sure, when things get hard in any length run, if you have an excuse queued up and ready to go, you'll, you'll grab it the moment that mm-hmm. it gets tough. Um, so I want to make sure that that excuse of just having run Western States is not on any of the bookshelves in my brain, like nowhere in any of my thoughts so that when it gets tough, it's just tough because running is hard and not um, tough, meaning I should take this excuse and now I should slack off or mm-hmm. take it easy. How do you do that, though? Well, I don't know. <laughs> You're like, I'm but, about to try. Yeah, but our brains are really crazy strong. So if I, if I just can stay positive in my brain and keep reminding myself like this this is your race of the summer. Like now is when you leave it all out here. Um, 
I think that I can avoid looking for any excuses like that to grab, but I don't know, maybe in a weakened brain state already, it will be much easier to look for those easy outs. I don't think you will. I hope I, I hope I don't, but it's a fun experiment to see what this is like. What have, you know, like when you had to drop from Western States in, was it 20, it was 2019, right? Correct. Um, for injury and you know, the, the story, if anybody's followed your story, it's your first hundred mile that you had to, you dropped from, right? Correct. And now look, obviously look at your career. I mean, most people... I, f- I feel like you're not going to like this because you're humble, but like you are the goat like of ultra running. You are. Do you feel that? Can you accept that? <laughs> no. <laughs> you you won't accept the title. <laughs> There's no need for titles. Oh, you're too humble. I knew I knew if I said that you'd like you'd laugh and be like, no, no way. I'm like, but... my Internet just cut out, I think. <laughs> okay Serena Tiger Woods Michael Phelps Courtney DeWalter you know um no but what I what I'm getting at though is that people that jump into your story and see all this wild success like I'm not kidding I was at dinner I flew home to Indy for the weekend and I was at dinner which is why we couldn't do this Friday by the way and I think you should be proud of me because normally in like five years ago Lindsay if you would have been like let's do Friday I would have dropped everything. I would have cleared my calendar. I would have packed all my recording stuff. And I was like, Lindsay, you don't need to do that. She can probably do Monday. I'm so happy that you didn't say yes. <laughs> to Friday. Yeah, and I'm so glad that you went on a fun trip. Thank you. Um, I think it was just like for so long, I was just like, I got to grab it while it's hot. And now I'm just like, she's going to be, if she's willing to do Friday, she's willing to do Monday and I'm going to put it out on Friday and it's the next Friday. It's going to be fine. Um, but anyway, I was at dinner with my friends and one of my friends who was not a runner was like, did you hear about that woman that broke the hundred mile record at that big race? And I'm like, yes, I did hear about that woman. (laughs) But to me, what that said was, this is so much more mainstream. Like I, th- there was an article on CNN and I just think it's so cool when our niche sport like goes mainstream and you've done that. Uh, so all of that roundabout like blabber out of me to say you have had failures, like you have had moments where it didn't work out that people like my friend at dinner don't know about. And so what have those moments taught you? Everything. Those uh, failures are the the best way, I think, to learn how to move forward. My first 100-mile attempt in 2012, I dropped out of it at mile 60. And I am so thankful now that I that played out the way it did um, because it taught me the mental side of running. Like, what we say to ourselves is so important in that race, when it got hard, I got really negative mm. and started spiraling into this, like, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? You're not someone who can finish a hundred miles, you know, and just this self doubt circle was spinning in my head and I dropped. And afterwards it was like, that's not useful to say mm. to yourself. So let's figure out what it looks like to not get into that negative whirlpool. And it sparked a whole passion and like fire for me of like, actually, I do want to be someone who can finish a hundred miles. And so now I'm going to take a step back, refigure out my puzzle pieces and go at this again. But it was many, many years before, um, it felt like the pieces were starting to make sense even as I was initially starting to be able to finish those hundred miles, it was like, there's so many parts to learn, you know? What's the race event or experience when you realized, and I know we already said you're still figuring it out. Like we're all still figuring everything out really. But like, when was the moment when you realized, all right, this, I am figuring this out. And you knew that, you were going to start winning these races and going for course records and FTKs and all the things like there had to be a moment where you're like, okay, this is clicking. I don't think there was a moment. I think, um, that 
I kept signing up for races、mm-hmm. and every race would learn some more things about what not to do or what was working、um, and started to like make less big mistakes going into it or during it.、Um, but still, like even、uh, in 2021, I dropped out of Hard Rock 100, the same race I'm going back、mm. to next week. Um, and had to, you know, relook at everything again. Like, what, what have I taken for granted? Like, what things was I not, you know, focused on that maybe I should have been? And, uh, started over with things like nutrition.、Mm. So I don't ever want to feel like I have it figured out because, um, I hope that I never have it perfectly dialed.、Mm. Uh, And people have talked about you like flying through those aid stations, by the way, at the end of Western states.、Uh, and I'm thinking, you mentioned nutrition, and I'm thinking that because I mean, you obviously have taken a whole lot of calories during this race. What did that actually look like? Because I think usually at those aid stations, people kind of like stop a little bit and you just buzzed right through, didn't you? Yeah, I was carrying a good amount on me. So I had my pack on and Had quite a bit of liquid calories that towards the end there,、um, were all that were going in. And so I was kind of slow dripping those and was hoping the gas tank had enough in it. <laughs> was that just the strategy though? Like as you approach them, you know where they're at. You're like, I'm not stopping. I'm, I'm full steam ahead. That's, is that, cause what if you would have stopped for a little bit? You would have still broke the course record. Katie wasn't going to catch you. Where was your mind on all that? My mind was to get to the finish as、mm. soon as possible.、Um, yeah, and it felt very much like I was on the edge of like, is this going to hold until the finish or are my legs going to fall off? And so it was like not trying <laughs> to insert any extra、mm. like, thing that might. You know, disrupt what was happening. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Like, okay, if I stop, what, how is this, how am I going to get this speed back in me? Yeah. Cause there's some miles there. Are you doing like 630s? Oh, I don't know. I should look at the, I had a watch on that had it all. So I should look back、you、at what it was. You haven't looked at your splits. <laughs> I've、gosh. been busy eating <laughs> ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> what did you eat when you finished? Were you too sick to eat? Yeah, afterwards I was throwing up for a little bit, but,、um, <laughs> the next day for sure we went with,、uh, the McDonald's drive-thru. Nice. Cheeseburger, McFlurry. <laughs> so good. All that salt. Oh my gosh. It was so good. <laughs> um, you mentioned earlier that you were, uh, reading and watching like mindless TV. What are you reading? What are you watching? I recently, um, was watching the Tour de France Netflix series. Oh, interesting. Yeah, which is pretty cool. I don't understand the bike world and that there's so many layers to it. So that's been fun to learn a little bit. I also, uh, the week of Western States watched the show Jury Duty. Oh, that's so cute. It was good. <laughs> I actually need to finish that because I also started watching, um, Shrinking or not shrinking? Yeah, shrinking at the same time. Have you watched that one? No, but I've heard it recommended and it's on my list. It is so good. Okay. So, so good.、Um, and so I gave up jury duty for shrinking. So now I need to go back to jury duty. Yeah, finish it up. And what are you reading? I currently am reading、um, Sally McRae's book, <gasps> Too Strong. Is it out? out? I have it on my Kindle, so I think yes. Okay. Okay. I need to, I need to have Sally on the show and talk. I need to just catch up with her in general. She, so she was out at Western States. Yeah. Yeah. She was there pacing, but,、um, her energy is just so good. And I got to see her a couple of times on course. And nice. That was awesome. When you finish Western States, who do you see first? What does that feel like? Do you have to go sit and do the interview with Dylan and like do all those things right away? Can you even do that because you're throwing up? I finished and it was a really strange sensation because I had been pushing so hard for、um, quite some time. 38 at that miles. <laughs> and so to go from speed to zero miles an hour, suddenly my body just like 
shut down. It was like, what is happening? It felt like so out of whack. Um, and it took me a minute to scan and find Kevin and my parents were there. So once I found them, that was so exciting. They were such an amazing crew with some of our other friends that were out there. So getting to bear hug them afterwards was really special. And then we started in on an interview with Dylan and Corinne for the live stream and the people there. But um, yeah, it got paused for a moment. And during that pause, my head started <laughs> to need a barf bag near it <laughs> at all times. And so then I just went to the medical tent. <laughs> When did you come around though? Because isn't it so fun to like cheer other people in and whatnot? It's so fun. Yeah. I got to see Katie finish. So nice. I was um, not barfing in that moment, <laughs> which was great. Um, and then by the next day, I felt much better. So it it spun around quickly enough. But yeah, such a glamorous sport. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one of the things I saw on your Instagram when I was like, you know, let me just like take a little deep dive real quick before we hop on this call. Um, I think it was a sponsored thing, but it was when you went and did, um, a a trail marathon. I don't know if it was one of the marathons with the golden trail series, but where you're like for you, a marathon feels like a sprint, right? Yeah. Like an all out sprint probably. Yes. (laughs) Um, but I loved, and I, I think this was the tagline of one of the sponsors. So you'll know what I'm talking about probably. But it was just like, go try something you think you might not finish. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I love that so much. Is that how you felt when you did the trail marathon? Yeah, it felt so hard. Obviously, you would finish it. But just like, how do I teach my brain to push in this way? Because you're going so all out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Had no idea if if I could finish or what it would look like or um, any of those things. And I love trying stuff like that. So signing up for races where it's like a whole new type of challenge is exciting to me or picking up new things like um, I've been trying to doodle around on a mountain bike a little bit and, <laughs> and it's not pretty, but <laughs> it's fun to try it and be bad at it and see if I can get better. It's so hard. Um, <laughs> who Do you know was that that wasn't Solomon though? What sponsor was that? What was that? Uh, that was from? Solomon. Oh, was that Solomon? Yep. Okay. And that was uh, Zagama, which is a pretty cool mountain marathon over in uh, Spain. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, cool. Um, okay, well, I guess we'll wrap up here with end of podcast. We're gonna do it like we normally do because it's been so long since you've been on the show. Um, and I'm also like, what else did I miss? Do you know every time I think about every time this song comes on, I think about you because of that episode with Maggie. Do you know what, and Sally, do you know what song I'm going to say? No, what song? Hold on, Wilson Phillips. Yes! <laughs> do you, because you, you guys said that when you did ba- Biggs, you like, yeah. play, they played that for you at every That lap. makes me so happy that that's associated now with us. <laughs> like, I put that on a running playlist because I was like, well, if this makes Courtney DeWalter go for another lap it'll be good for my running too it's a great running jam (laughs) hold on for one more mile step whatever you have to say in that lyric (laughs) Uh it's so good um and by the way i did look at your playlist um on solomon's spotify and kind of go through and if anybody wants to check it out it it might be the most random playlist i've ever seen (laughs) you're welcome yeah it's so good um all right at this point in your career you've won utmb you've won western states i mean i'm naming two of like a million different things but what is it that you still want to do professionally or personally i want to keep having as much fun as possible and uh visiting that cave as often as i can going to visit it here in like, what is it, like 10 days? Yeah. 12 days? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. You said you're reading Sally's book. Love that. I need to order it. Uh, do you have any other most recent books or anything like pop culture or fun that you recommend that you've dove into? We kind of hit on it a little bit with Jury Duty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anyone hasn't watched the the last Ted Lasso season, that should definitely be on the list. Oh, I know. 
Ted Lasso. I actually, I watched that. I binged that after I had, I had surgery a few weeks ago and I binged that and it was like, it was just, it was such a gift. That and shrinking. So good. Shrinking's on my list now. Thank you. You got to do it. Um, well, post Western States champion course record holder. What's your message to our audience? Have fun. Try hard things. See what's possible. Uh, why not? Love it. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you. All right, friends. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Courtney, for coming on the show. Y'all can find Courtney on Instagram. She's Courtney DeWalter over there. Make sure you follow along with what she does at Hard Rock 100. That's going to be awesome to see. You can find me. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 on Instagram at Lindsay Hine on Twitter. Learn more about this podcast and all the shows in our network at sandyboyproductions.com. When you sign up for our newsletter over there, uh, you can get the show notes delivered to you. So anything we talked about in any of the episodes is delivered directly to your inbox. Good stuff. All right, friends, have a great rest of your day and we will see you next week on All Have Another.